This is episode 127 of Relate on Being of Service in Acting with Emily Swallow. We are spending more and more time in the online world, looking through our screens and increasingly disconnected with those around us. But studies have proven that it's real-life meaningful relationships that bring us the most joy and happiness. It's all about human connection and conversing with people from a variety of backgrounds. Worlds change when eyes meet. So let's sit down and relate. I am your host, Patrick McAndrew, and welcome to yet another episode of Relate. I am very excited to share this episode with you all today. We have an amazing actress joining us on the show. You have probably seen her many times before in your television viewing. She has been on shows like The Mentalist, Supernatural, How to Get Away with Murder, NCIS, The Good Wife, Elementary, SEAL Team, Instinct, and The Mandalorian, which is amazing, and so many other shows. She has been on so many television shows. She's had an incredible career, and she's also done a lot of theater. She's done some film and video games as well. Her name is Emily Swallow. You are in for an incredible episode with Emily today. We have a great conversation, not only about her career and her life thus far, but we also talk a lot about the craft of acting in this episode. We talk about actors being of service and why it's so important for us to be humble and collaborative. Emily talks about her experience working on set and how other actors were being open and available and how that really fostered a very collaborative environment. Emily also talks to us about how acting is a lot like magic, a lot like being a magician, and also how acting can make us less likely to judge others. I think one moment in this episode that really resonated with me is Emily discussing why we must be mindful what we put our energy into and to know what it is that you want to be good at. I think this is something that all of us can take away from this episode, not only fellow actors, but no matter what industry you're working in. It's really about where we allocate our energy and finding balance. I think you'll really enjoy this one. If you like it or you think it might resonate with a friend, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave me a review, let me know your thoughts, head over to Instagram at Relate Podcast, send me a comment, send me a message. I'd love to hear what you think of this episode. So without further ado, let me please introduce today's guest, the amazing Emily Swallow. everybody welcome back to the relate podcast today our guest is emily swallow emily thanks so much for joining us thanks for having me i'm very excited to have you on this show today you have had a very extensive acting career that i'm really excited to dive into but not only that but also to dive into who you are as a person we've seen you on so many shows throughout the years and 
I think your acting alone is is amazing in the way in which you tell a story through character. Thank but, you. But I'm also interested in learning about you as a person and how your acting work uh, informs not only how you inform your acting work, but then also how your acting work informs who you are too. On this yeah. podcast, we talk a lot about the importance of human connection and relationships. And I think we as actors have a very unique take on this with regards to the human condition. So I'm very excited to have you here. I'm excited to, to get into all of this. And yeah, I definitely, uh, I feel like I learn, I learn lessons about being a human being and exploring acting and in exploring characters, um, which I think is just such a testament to like the, the many, many layers of the power of storytelling, because not only are we affecting the audience, but we as actors, I mean, I think if we're doing it right, we're, we are also transformed and we, we learn things that we might not learn just through like living as ourselves, because we get to try on other people. Yeah, it gives us this unique lens into someone else's life, which is what, which is why I'm really drawn to it. But I'm wondering if you could start off just by sharing with our listeners a little bit about yourself and really what led you on the journey that you're pursuing today. Yeah, I I was not one of those people who knew that I wanted to be an actor when I grew up. I loved performing, um, but I loved so many things, and so I um, when I was in like my, my very first performing experience was through music because I sang in like the children's choir at church and both of my parents love music. So there was a lot of appreciation of that in my, my home growing up. And then I, I did some school plays and um, did stuff in middle school and high school and did not, I like to, because uh, my, my high school drama teacher is a big champion of mine. However, she did not cast me in the production of Into the Woods that we did when I was oh, no. a sophomore junior. But I tell her to, to tell all of her students that because, you know, it, it's, you, you deal with failure as an actor. And yeah. no, I did not get cast in Into the Woods. I worked the stage crew, but I still went on to have a healthy career. So, um, but yeah, I did, I did performing growing up. And in, in college, I think I was... You know, I, I sort of feel like doors were opened for me in a really beautiful way until I realized that I wanted it enough to fight for it. Um, I, I sort of feel like God led me down this path and was like, you know, just kept giving me these experiences that I was enjoying and that I loved so that by the time it was more difficult and I had to put more effort into it, I already knew that I, I was madly in love with it. Uh, but I went to the University of Virginia undergrad and I was a Middle Eastern studies major and I thought I would go into the foreign service. I interned at the State Department for a summer and um, and I loved that. But I also was really heavily involved in the drama department and the UVA drama department is wonderful in that they don't limit it to drama majors. So I was sort of having these like parallel experiences of like working really hard on my major and writing a thesis, but then doing more and more acting and directing. And, um, and it was through that, I guess, that I sort of realized, I realized I could only get so far with the training that I had um, because I hadn't focused on it. And so I was, I was relying a lot on instinct and instinct is great for certain characters, but um, 
and and I'm I'm probably thinking about this because I was just listening to Jim Calder's podcast today, <laughs> but you know, we're we're sort of limited in the language that we have as ourselves and the physical language and and so we need to have tools to be able to expand that and to kind of stretch our creative muscles and um I mean I always tell people that I feel like it that creativity is you have to work at it the same way that you work on your, you know, you don't go to the gym once a year and expect to be able to bench press your body weight. You have to keep at it. And I think too, with any kind of performing, you have to keep at it to grow, to stretch. Um, you don't like just go to an audition every couple of months and expect to be brilliant. So um, yeah, I had a really wonderful acting teacher in undergrad who finally posed the question to me, you know, do you think this is something that you want to do? Because it seems like you really love it. And I think that it was just that invitation that finally made me go, oh, yeah, I do really love this. So I, I worked on like, I think I had 12 monologues ready to go for these different grad school auditions and was fortunate enough to get into NYU. And I knew enough to know that that was a really great program. And, um, and so I, I, I walked through the door and it was... <laughs> Um, you know, most, most people, I think most parents might be a little worried when their kids say they're going to move to New York to be an actor, but because I had been on this path where I was going to like move to the Middle East to work in an embassy, um, <laughs> this was great. My parents were like, New York, <laughs> wonderful, no problem. So, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, that was kind of the biggest step that I had to take. Um, and then I, I just fell so in love with all the different aspects of it at NYU and and I have not ever looked back. I'm really happy that I get to do this for a living. And were you, did you go into the MFA program right after undergrad? I did, yes, which had its, its advantages and its disadvantages. I mean, it was great to get that training when I was so young, but I was aware, even when I was there, that some of the people who had been out for a few years, they knew much more specifically what they wanted out of it. And I was still kind of in this academic mindset and they called me out on it right away after like the first semester they said you are trying so hard to do what you think we want you to do and if you continue that way a you're going to be a really boring actor and b you're you're going to get bored of it as an actor you're not going to enjoy it so that was such an important thing for me to hear as an actor and as a life lesson um, you only stand to gain as far as you are willing to lose. And so I had to really learn how to, first of all, I think to understand what it was that I wanted and not what I thought I should want. Um, and then be willing to like take those chances and, and mess up. And, and that was the, I mean, I had to do that to be able to grow as an actor. And so I'm really grateful that they, they called me out on that right away. <laughs> right, right. And so then when you, you're in this really conservatory program, you graduate, how do you take what you just said and implement it then into the professional world where I know, I know you did work on Broadway and, and, and theater and then also a lot of work in television too. So how do you take that uh, while I guess being true to who you are as an actor while still taking the notes from the director and, and fulfilling the director's vision at the same time? Yeah, um, that's a, I mean, I think that that's a question that I continually grapple with because it's different in every experience. And um, I was 
fortunate in that before I even graduated, I had a job because I did uh, Shakespeare in the Park. I was part of the non-equity company. And that was such a great learning experience. Um, I mean, all of NYU, like the fact that the university is in the city and that you're getting to work with directors who you will work with later professionally and just be able to go to all this incredible theater is, is such a, an important um, tool, I think. And, um, and working on Shakespeare in the Park, it was a production of uh, Much Ado About Nothing. And it was Kristen, Kirsten Johnston and um, Jimmy Smits who were playing Beatrice and Benedict. <laughs> and just watching the differences in their approach to the work was incredibly instructive. Um, and the way that they, I'm so grateful for that company of actors because I saw a lot of different styles, like different ways into the work. But I also saw this incredible trust and this desire to collaborate. I, I feel like the actors that I have learned the most from are incredibly talented, but also incredibly humble. And they really understand that, that they want to be of service to whatever it is that we're creating. And that doesn't mean that they like shy away from being their true authentic selves. I just think that it's um, like Alfred Molina comes to mind. I did a TV series with him and he was, he took time every day to greet everybody. Um, he was so curious about all the people that he was working with, even though on this particular show, it was a medical drama and he was the chief of staff at this hospital and um, David E. Kelly wrote it. And so he would have these like huge monologues that he had to do with all this technical jargon. But you never saw him on the days when we were shooting that, you didn't see him come in like glued to his script, you know, worried about getting the lines right and all, you know, very singularly focused. He was still so available and so open to people. Um, and that's not to say that there aren't times when, you know, you just have those days sometimes. I think when you do kind of have to be like focused on your script and focused on if you have a challenging day emotionally or something like that. But I do think that one of the most important things is being of service to the people around you. Um, and I think if that is sort of first in your mind, then it gives you freedom to be yourself fully and to try these choices that you want to try. And then to recalibrate sometimes, you know, there's, there's definitely been directors that I've worked with who have suggested things that haven't really been in line with my thinking about a character, but I'll, I'll always try it. And it's very different in um, theater versus TV, because in theater, of course, you have the, the luxury of time in the rehearsal room, even though pretty much every rehearsal process feels like it's too short. It's still more than you get when you're doing television and you might like show up to set and meet the person that you're working with that day and then go. Um, so, I feel like I'm, I'm sort of answering this in a very roundabout way, but uh, I, I don't know. I just, I, I guess kind of as a guiding principle for the work overall, trying to be of service to the story that's being told, then I think can kind of free you from a lot of the insecurities or, or I've found that it, it works for me. It frees me from some of the insecurities of like trying to look good or trying to prove something or, and then I, I know that even if I'm making a choice that's not in line with what the director says, I know that my heart's in the right place 
And so it makes me feel better about trying it. And I don't feel like I'm just like, no, I'm going to do it my way. It's uh, <laughs> right. Well, yeah. it, it's, it seems like it's, it's really a matter of perspective. And I love what you were saying too, about having this openness or, or the people that you've worked with have had this openness to be available to each other. I, I feel like when, when people have that sort of mentality, it really opens the doors for collaboration. And I, I feel like that's when the magic happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because we can all come in with our individual ideas that may be brilliant, but I see the best work happen when those ideas come together and people are playing and then your idea changes and my idea changes and together it forms something even better. And that's when it's so much more fun. Right. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so I guess with all of that said, this is, I, I love talking about this stuff because it's so many great things uh, or, or rather so many things that make acting so great that the, the craft, what would you say are some of the difficult things about being an actor, whether it is the craft of acting or whether it's the life of an actor, the business of acting? Yeah. Um, well, I think that it it can be incredibly challenging to, you know, we were just talking about how to to do, you have to be available to other people. You have to be open. You have to be vulnerable. And you have to choose to do that. You have to choose to make yourself vulnerable. You have to choose to want to collaborate with other people. You have to choose, I think, when you go into an audition to fully want it, which can be excruciating because of course the more you want it the more you stand to lose when you don't get it and and um i think like a lot of people that i talk to who are not in this industry are kind of shocked to find out even when you are quote unquote successful how much rejection you still deal with i mean the majority of things that i've auditioned for i haven't gotten um so I, I think that that, and I've definitely gone through periods where that has been a challenge, where I've just come up against so many things that haven't worked out. And it does sort of, I, I've definitely had times where I'm like, I don't really want to put myself out there. I don't believe that it's worth it for me to put time into this audition. And when that happens, um, I mean, I have to acknowledge it because there's also the part of me that like, the part of me that has been there since I was a little kid of like, you know, I want to get the the gold star. I want, you know, I should want to work really hard. I should want to, to, uh, you know, be willing to give it everything. Um, but I've definitely had to learn how to put boundaries around it, I guess. And um, there's definitely a period of time where, because I love what I do so much, if I got an audition, like, nothing else mattered. And I would try to work on it from the time I got it until I walked into the room. And that just is not sustainable. <laughs> and it's not, <laughs> it's not effective. Cause I think like, you know, there's some auditions that do, I, I, I definitely need to put more time into it. Maybe a character that's farther from me. I may need to learn a dialect. I may need to just, you know, it might be more complex material, but um, if I'm not also fully engaged in my life, I don't have much to bring to those characters. And so, and I think that there's also an element of trust that you have to start to feel. Like I have to trust that um, however much time I have is the amount of time I need. And that often feels like an impossibility because especially with television, 
I'm very often I'll get an audition the night before I have to go into the room. Um, and so I can either be really frustrated about that and, you know, rant and rave about how unfair it is and how disorganized everybody is and what a waste of money it is that they're doing it this way. Or I can say, okay, this is the amount of time I have. Can I trust that this is the amount of time I need and like give it my all for this period of time and then give it my all when I'm in the room and then try to let it go. Um, that's sort of the hardest thing for me is reconciling that, that finding the, the trust that it's worth working hard on every single audition because it doesn't always feel like it. And it's not, you know, so, so many people say like, well, every time you go into the room, it's a chance to act, it's a chance to perform, but it's not really because you're, I mean, to an extent, but you're still like, you know, you're limited. You're sitting in your chair or you're standing there like in front of the camera. You don't have the whole set. You're not fully immersed in the world. You don't get to move wherever you want to unless it's like a theater audition. So, you know, that even that sort of <laughs> starts to wear thin. Um, but I do, I think also the more that I, I recognize how much I grow as a person through my characters, that also helps me have the willingness to give more to them. And if I can trust that like every single time I work on an audition, it is contributing, even if I don't get that job, it's A, a chance for a casting director and director to see me do good work. B, I'm working on different um, colors of a character that I will be able to then take into another character, um, you know, and keeping those muscles primed. So the more I can step back and sort of see the greater arc of it, the more faith I have in it. Um, and then I also have to listen to myself during those times when I'm just really burned out and I don't, you know, and then I have to sort of engage more fully in other parts of my life. So I'm not so focused on trying to get the next acting gig. Yeah, it's amazing thinking about how much goes into it, both yeah. both from a, a craft perspective, but then also just the the daily life of living as an actor, actress. And with that said, I would love to hear your answer on this. I think, I feel like we touched upon it a little bit already, but I would love to hear uh, what you believe you learn, have learned about yourself through being an actor. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, well, I've definitely learned how, how much I get stuck in my head around this idea that there's like a right way to do things. And that is something that I have to continually challenge as an actor and also as a person. But the more I challenge it as an actor, I think the more it allows me to do it as a person. And, and, um, and for me, that only happens when I, I've been doing this um, kind of Shakespeare workshop over Zoom during the pandemic with a, a wonderful, wonderful director that I worked with at the Old Globe 10 years ago. His name's Ron Daniels. And we... Um, have just been exploring a different text every week and and talking about and it's actors who are like freshly out of school it's actors like um you know who've who've been doing shakespeare for years or doing shakespeare and then doing tv like every, every single different perspective and one thing that we all sort of agree on is that you you can't really play with the text until you know the text inside and out um and that's challenging um, because it requires a lot of time. <laughs> and, but that's when it is the most fun. And so I think I've also um, 
one of the things that it, that acting that I've learned as an actor that that I've appreciated in my life is um, the willingness to sit in the discomfort and the willingness to trust. I think Shakespeare's a great example of it because there are so many technical things you can look at. So, you know, I'm making sure I'm looking at the text and finding all my operative words. I'm finding the images. I'm finding the, the scansion of it. Um, you know, I'm finding all these things that are in the verse. But those things in and of themselves are not the end. They are a means to an end. And I have to be willing to kind of look at them and then let them go and let the text take me somewhere unexpected. And one of the things that Ron really, really is curious about and that has been so helpful to me is just the idea of a, a cejura, um, which for people who don't know verse is basically just like a pause. Um, it's a place where you might take a, you take a thought basically. And there are some people who feel like those can only happen at certain points in the verse line. And I don't, I don't feel that way. Um, but one of the things we've been looking at is like, how can you, how can you best implement sejuras to truly surprise yourself and have spontaneous thoughts and then find your way to the ones that are, are most useful to the character? And how do, you, how do you find it anew every single night? And that's something that I think that um, Mark Rylance does beautifully. And I, I did a play with him several years ago at the Guthrie. And one of the things that I was relieved to see is that not only, I mean, he's, he's a genius. He's been touched by just <laughs> genius, but he also works so hard at the text. And he, he, he and his wife, Claire, were co-directing this play and he was in it and he had um, co-written it with a, a poet, Lewis Jenkins. Um, and the way that we knew that text inside and out and did all these improvisations around scenes and made sure that we were just so deeply, had these characters so deeply ingrained so that then we could step out on stage. And I mean, you never know what he's gonna do when you walk on stage with him. But it, it doesn't come from this like completely careless, like I'm gonna do whatever I want. It's because he, he knows the text so well that then that inspires him to like kind of let it go and, and step out over the, the precipice and risk like falling and smashing his head open. <laughs> and that's such an incredible way to work. Um, but you know, even with him, like he, he can only do that after he has worked really hard at the text and all of those like analytical things and all the stuff that is also part of the work. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I think what, what's amazing, I guess this is the case with, with any craft or any job that the learning never stops. There's always something yeah. new to learn, whether, whether it's about yourself or whether it's about the craft of acting. Mm -hmm. And I feel like though, with acting, it's so, so connected to our humanity and to who we are. And, and I, I guess that would lead me to another question is, uh, how, what is your process or I guess what what are your thoughts on separating yourself from the character or, or uh, you know so you, you get uh, you portray a character but then what what is your method to be able to put that aside and then go home and, and have dinner with your family if that makes sense no it does um, I mean to be honest I don't think too much about it I don't because I kind of enjoy that for the period of time I'm playing a character that character like spend some time in the rest of my life. Um, I love that part of it. And I love sort of 
I mean, one of the ways I work on characters is by doing things that I do in my day-to-day -day life um, while working on the character's text or something, you know, like working on a, working on a scene um, while I'm doing the dishes or, and I think that that is a really useful thing when you're, when you're physically doing something that is very mundane and that you're used to and you don't have to think much about and you're exploring a text, it, it, uh, that's very illuminating for me. But I, I guess maybe also I haven't, I'm trying to think like, it, of course with characters who are suffering more, who are going through more pain, um, you don't wanna spend as much time with them. But um, I don't know, I don't really have to think about it that much. I feel like I, I enjoy uh, sharing my life with my characters and even with the ones who are suffering, there's something that just feels like, I, <laughs> I am so much more willing to suffer for my characters than I think I like think my way out of things in real life. I go to the place of like, okay, what's the useful way to deal with this? So <laughs> right, right. It's kind of a gift sometimes <laughs> like to get to, cause we need that. I mean, yeah. I need that. I need to like feel things more fully emotionally. And I definitely do that more in my acting work than I'm, I'm, than I do it in my life. I try to bring that into my life more cause I think it, you know, it's important regardless of whether you're acting or not. It's important for your body to experience things and not just to kind of think your way through everything. Um, so yeah, I, I, I enjoy the, the coexistence of the character and me. And then obviously like if I'm playing a character who's a total jerk, I try not to bring that too much into my <laughs> life. I'm not one of those people who's gonna, you know, like punch my husband and be like, sorry, uh, that was just the uh, character that came out. I don't know. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, it's it. What, what's been great too is you. You really have had a, a great career. You've been on so many shows, so many great shows too. And I feel really, really fortunate. It, it, it's it's amazing, and it, it's it's great to see you in in these different roles. Also, uh, I'm wondering for for the enjoyment of our listeners, uh, I, I would love for you to talk about maybe just uh, a, a couple of shows that that you were on. Uh, I know some big ones, obviously, like The Mentalist, Supernatural, The Mandalorian, which you have one of the coolest roles in The Mandalorian. Oh my gosh. I, I, it's, uh, it's amazing. I, I, would, I would love to hear you to talk about just the, like uh, th these roles and, and uh, what it was like on set. Was it a lot of fun? Was it stressful? Uh, I, I would love if you don't mind sharing your experience with yeah. me. Yeah. Um Wow. Well, all three of those were wonderful overall, but very different. Um, and, and all three of those, even though they're such different shows, I was sort of delighted <laughs> to see that, that, um, that I could use a lot of the same tools on them. Um, and I feel like the only way to, to make that make sense is to explain it. But I remember, so I went on to the the mentalists after they'd already been going for five seasons, which was an interesting thing because, uh, you know, you never know when you're going into a long running show, what it's, it's like being the transfer student at a new school. Hmm. And so you're trying to see like how everybody does things and what you have, you want to show them what you have to bring to the table. And one of the things that was actually the most challenging for me on that was the procedural nature of it. And the fact that, um, you know, in this setup of these character archetypes, uh, Simon Baker's character, um, Patrick Jane, he was 
you know, he was the center of the show. He was the fulcrum. And so he was the one that got to prove everyone wrong every single week. And as somebody who worked with him, I was like, I don't like, how is it that I, I have amnesia every week? Why is it that I'm so constantly doubting that he's going to be able to solve the case when I've seen it happen over and over and over and over. And one of the brilliant things that um, Bruno Heller, who was the creator, what he said to me is, he said, you know, it's sort of like this vaudeville act. Every episode is like a vaudeville act. And, uh, and he's like the, the, I guess like the Charlie Chaplin character. And the rest of the characters are set up to bring out his character fully. Um, and he said, so yeah, you do sort of have to have amnesia, but it's sort of like, you know, if you were doing a vaudeville show and you're constantly like the character who's the straight man, who's like, ah, shucks. And, and so thinking <laughs> about it in that context of that game was really helpful. And, um, and I happened to be doing, and, and this is, this is where I will absolutely plug, um, the practice of just taking classes and anything that interests you around acting, no matter what you're working on, because I was doing a clowning class while I was working on The Mentalist. And it was just, it was coincidental, the timing. And it was, he was this uh, brilliant, brilliant Spaniard named Aitur Basuri. And he's part of a, a British comedy troupe called Spy Monkey. And, uh, and he, he essentially teaches clowning. I would describe it as more like clowning with character work and sketch comedy. Um, and so I was able to kind of look at scenes that I was doing and, and try to find like the game of the scene huh. and bring some of those elements into it. And you know, at the end of the day, it's still a procedural on CBS. Like I'm not gonna be, you know, doing like, it, it's very subtle, the, the acting work that I'm doing. But having stretched those muscles in all those different ways, I was able to bring that into it and feel feel more confident about what I was doing because I wasn't constantly hung up on the logic of like, why do I keep falling for this? How, this doesn't make sense. And have fun with it. Have fun with the fact that I was so certain every single time that I was right, that he was out of line, that he's crazy and that he shouldn't be working here. And then, you know, be proven <laughs> completely wrong. Um, and then- so I, I, uh, I imagine that sort of game is a fun dynamic on set. Like, I imagine that's fun to play with. It's, it's so much more fun if you give over to that. Otherwise, like, you know, my, to be honest, and I don't think I really realized it at the time, but like my ego was kind of getting in the way because I was like, my character's not dumb. I think she's a really smart person. So like, why are we looking at it like this? And it, it you know, just like giving that, that permission made it so much more fun and released me from that, like being locked in the logic of my ego. Um, and then Supernatural was another like long running show that I was going into. But one of the things that I think, one of the reasons I think that show has run as long as it has is because it, it has a great sense of humor about itself. Like it, it goes so deep into these storylines about like vampires and demons and, but it's also very self-aware. And I think um, Jared and Jensen, the two main actors, they are so humble and so, welcoming of the people that come in to play these guest roles and so i walked into that set and it was like it was this fresh new show that like i was helping to create and oh, they wow. were so 
they're, they're just so playful and they want to know like what it is that you have to bring to the table. You really feel like, wow, they cast me because they like my ideas and they want to know what I have to bring to it. It's not just because I fit this idea that they had. Um, and that, that show, I mean, the rewards of being on that show continue to astonish me because it's just, it was, I think as far as television goes, it's, the most fulfilling opportunity I've had to sort of stretch my muscles the way I would in theater because the scope of it is so epic. I mean, I was playing the darkness and like my <laughs> brother is God and I was locked in a pit for most of eternity. Like the stakes are high. And I, you know, what do I have to draw from in real life that, that relates to that? And that sort of, um, butts up against some of the stuff that Jim Calder teaches. Like, how do you really, how, how do you find those stakes? And so I had to find the things that I could relate to, um, which are that, you know, she, she felt like she was misunderstood. She felt like she didn't have anyone on her side. Um, and then I had to sort of take that to the umpteenth degree and trust the, uh, trust the things that would be added later. Like, I remember the first time I was shooting a scene where I had to like hold out my arm because I was shooting lightning bolts at somebody or something. I, I felt like such an idiot because nothing was <laughs> happening. And yet I knew that like the more I tried to make it look like it was happening, probably the stupider it was going to look. <laughs> One of the gifts of, of that character is, um, was the simplicity that, uh, that I was able to find for her that then I think made her more intimidating and more, um, you know, less is more. And, uh, and I sort of brought that into the armorer as well. That also was such an exciting thing because I've never done mask work on TV before that. And it was really cool to see that like, oh, this mask work that I did in grad school and that I've only gotten to use on stage, like this is really useful for this situation. Um, and it was really fun finding the, first of all, that set was just like, I mean. That had to be amazing. <laughs> it was phenomenal. I, I did not know, and I'm so grateful for this. I didn't know when I was shooting what a big deal it was because nothing had been announced. I knew it was Star Wars and that's amazing. But you know, there'd never been a live action Star Wars series. So I didn't really know. I didn't know. And I didn't know if the right. fans were gonna like it. I didn't, but um, it was so much fun to, I, I use that word, I need more words for fun. But to get to draw on like mask work and then I, I talked to, um, when I was asking John Favreau and, and Dave Filoni like what would be useful kind of to draw from, they talked about Kurosawa films and like Samurai Warriors and which I didn't know at the time. I was like, oh, that's so brilliant. That makes so much sense. I didn't know that that was actually something that George Lucas had used like with the original <laughs> three movies. <laughs> Um, which I think is one of the reasons The Mandalorian uh, is so wonderful because it is so connected to those original three movies right, stylistically. Right. Um, but so, you know, I, I was, I remember like, I didn't get to talk to them until a few days before I was going to start shooting. So I just remember like going back to my, my place and like just cramming Kurosawa films and like trying to watch all the physicality and, you know, really breathe in the feeling of it. And, um, and yeah, that was also a character where I found 
And it was, it was so thrilling because we were all sort of discovering the language of movement of these Mandalorians together. Oh yeah, that must have been a whole other thing is, is yeah. figuring out how these people move, yeah. Uh -huh. And what translates on camera. Um, we were shooting episodes one and three at the same time and uh, Deborah Chow and Dave Filoni were the two directors and it was basically like we would try something, we would get feedback from them about what they were seeing on camera, and then we would sort of recalibrate and you know continue to hone in on it. And I definitely learned with that that um, the that the armorer's power, a lot of it lay in her not reacting, not doing much, like not you know when there's the big fight uh, with some of the other Mandalorians. She's just sitting there for a while. She's just taking it in. And then when she speaks, it has impact. But I found that like any extraneous movement was really distracting. Um, there was this actor that I, I worked with who is also a, a magician in real life. And when we were doing a play together, he gave me this book about, um, about being a magician and sleight of hand and all that. And really like, I, it was cool to, to see this perspective that I think is very applicable to acting, which is that, you know, the magician makes us believe by directing our focus and distracting us from anything that might dispel the illusion. And I think acting is very much the same way. And physicality um, plays a huge part in that because you can be feeling this character so much. You can be saying the words, but if you're like, if your whole body isn't invested in it and you're like fidgeting or something, or in the case of the, the armorer, like if I would, you know, if I took a glance down to see where I was going, like it immediately just broke that, that intensity and that power. And so I do think that a lot of acting is being aware um, so that the audience, so that you know what the audience is focused on. And then you sort of have to like let go of that self-awareness. Otherwise you're going to be self-conscious and very controlled and, um, but I thought that was sort of a delightful parallel between like being a magician and being an actor. And it's so much of it is about having the audience focus in the right place so that you're telling the story that you want to tell and not something that totally like screws up that story. Yeah, I love that. I've never thought about the actor as a magician before that, but that makes so much sense. That's absolutely true. We're always performing some sort of magic tricks on, on screen or on stage. Yeah. And um, that that's amazing. It, it's it's so cool just hearing about these experiences from these shows that are uh, just so enjoyable to watch and, and tune into. And I, to kind of go off of all all of this great stuff that you're talking about with regards to acting, how do you believe that acting has uh, allowed you to better relate to people? I think that acting in a lot of ways to, to kind of go back to what I was saying at the beginning of our conversation, uh, at least for me and a lot of other actors I've talked to, I, I find that it's a great way to, to connect and to collaborate like you were mentioning earlier. Uh, do you feel like acting has allowed you to develop a deeper understanding of your fellow human or yeah. yeah or what though i want to hear what you were gonna yeah, say yeah or, or I, I was gonna say or is it more so just kind of like a separate craft from oh no it's um it I, I think one of the biggest gifts i've gotten from it and also one of the greatest challenges to be honest is you know i get a character and no matter what that character's perspective is it doesn't serve me to judge 
any of the characters' choices. If I'm going to have to live that character, I have to understand her motivation. Um, you know, I can have my own opinion about it as Emily, but if I judge it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to limit how much I can give to that character, and it, which is ultimately um, taking away from the story and, and making it less enjoyable and less truthful. And I think that 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 has served me so much in real life because I do think that it's, it's made me less inclined to judge people. And it's made me so much more curious about, you know, wow, that opinion is something that has never crossed my mind or it's something that I don't agree with, but I want to understand where it comes from. Um, it's made me so much more curious about why people make the choices that they do, especially, you know, to, to, to be, to be honest, like especially playing a character like Amara on Supernatural, who was this super villain and she did horrible things, but I totally understood the root of why she was doing that. I understood the hurt that she had. I understood the frustration that she had. And I could see why this particular character would carry it out to that end. It doesn't mean that it wasn't wrong for her to do that you know people got hurt so we can say like okay that was that was a bad thing for people to get hurt and we can understand why it happened um so i think that it, it's given me a lot more curiosity about people in general and and uh and sympathy i guess um and also just an awareness because you know i'm, I'm one of those people definitely that still i want to feel like i'm doing things right um and there are many systems that I have in place in my life that help me move through life positively and, and more easily. But that doesn't mean that all of my systems are right for everybody. And so getting to try on different characters who have a different system for moving through life sort of like makes me stretch out that idea that like just because something works for me doesn't mean it has to work for everybody. And, um, right. and so that that's tremendously helpful in terms of relating to to other people in the world. And I think, man, I mean, I think especially right now, like with the political climate in our country, there's, there's a lot of um, lack of empathy and lack of, there's a lot of judgment and yeah. uh, not necessarily as much curiosity about where people are coming from. And, uh, and I think that we could all use more curiosity and, and uh, you know, more willingness to listen. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I recently had on the, actually the, this podcast episode came soon after Jim, so you might have seen it in the list, but I interviewed a man, his name's James Bundy, and he's the the dean at Yale School. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I haven't and, listened to that one yet, but I saw it, yeah. And he actually, he talked about curiosity a lot, specifically as actors, that curiosity is a really important tool for acting, but then also translating into humanity as well, that, mm -hmm. that we humans should be curious as opposed to judgmental. I find that, that we're able to learn so much more about ourselves and others if we have that openness that you were talking about earlier and are, are curious about someone else, even if their opinion is vastly different from our own. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we're like condoning every single behavior and we don't right. even have to, ultimately we can still have differences of opinion. But I think, I also think it's just, uh, you stand to 
to make more progress overall if you're kind of understanding where people are coming from and then maybe you can go somewhere with your disagreement and you can find some common ground to then i mean it's sort of i guess it sort of goes back to what we were saying earlier about like i come into a rehearsal with my ideas about a character you come in with your ideas and then we find what happens when that mixes together and it's something that neither of us could have come up with on our own I, I couldn't agree more we have a lot of actors and even a lot of other people who work in different facets of the entertainment industry tune into the podcast and j just given your your extensive career i'm wondering if you could share with our listeners just some insight into how can actors find work or find some form of success in this industry obviously it's it's tough to to you know it's not a a definitive line in in this yeah. world it depends on what your definition of success is exactly too. yeah so so i guess um uh, what what would your words of advice be for someone who is just starting out in this industry or for someone who is really really struggling with with just working in the industry yeah Oh boy. Um, first I would say I feel for you because I, I mean, I still have times and I'm like, is this, am I still supposed to be doing this? Or like, ah, um, I think, well, I, I think that it is important to define what your idea of success is. Cause I think that it's easy to get lost in a lot of competing ideas. You know, some people just want to be steadily working. Some people, want to get to play certain roles some people want to only do television some people want to only do theater so I think like um, giving yourself time to distill down like what it is that you want is helpful because I, I have I'm so happy that I've gotten to work in a variety of mediums and I've gotten to do things from like voiceovers to video games to TV to theater um, However, the longer I do this, I also recognize that uh, because I have limited reserves of energy and creativity, I do have to decide which things are worth putting energy into. Um, and I say that in, in regards to auditions, like when I was first starting out, and I would say this to anyone who's just starting out, like just audition for everything that you have the opportunity to. I mean, obviously, if it's something that like you just don't care for or whatever, there are limits to that. But um, I've learned so much from jobs that I didn't expect to get or that I thought like, I don't know if this is really me. Um, so I think having a willingness to learn and be open-minded is important while also honoring what it is that truly excites you because there's so many things that you could put energy into being good at. You know, I, I could- I could go through like so much more physical training to try to be like awesome at combat and get to do more video games, but like video games and motion capture work interests me to a point, And then I want to put my energy into other things. So I think like in terms of your reserves of energy, it's important to really know what it is you want to be good at. Um, and then I think you, you do have to have a good, a good support system of people around you, you know, whether that's like, other people, other actors that you can kind of talk about things, work on auditions with, kind of your tribe. Um, and uh, and I, I, I absolutely 
I think it's it's so much easier for me to like get up the the uh, the will to work on auditions when I'm getting to play in other ways, like taking you know a clowning class or a movement class or something that's not directly related to like working on a character and getting a job. Um, I think that that can be really helpful. And then and and I think like fully investing in other parts of your life because. Um, it can be hard if you're, I think that you can love performing passionately and give it, give it your all while also being fully invested in the rest of your life. Cause uh, I think that it starts to just be really challenging if you're, if that is the most important thing. Like it, it's definitely, I auditioned for the Mandalorian when I was doing, I did like two plays back to back and I was, um, planning my wedding, you know, there are all wow. these other things happening in my life. But I think because I was fully invested in those things, I had so much more to bring to that audition. So um, I guess also like having an openness and having faith that other parts of your life are impacting your work in a positive way. And, and I, um, there's a, a acting teacher who I work with in LA named Kim Gillingham. And she it's a lot of like creative imagination work. It's sort of a sort of a union of like Stanislavski work with um, Jung and like dream oh, analysis. Oh, nice, nice. And the thing that is such a brilliant gift from that is that everything is useful. And so when I look at an audition, when I look at a character I'm working on, instead of feeling like I have to turn off maybe other things in my life, if I can like take a few minutes to go, okay, all of this is happening at the same time. What, what can I trust is useful about that? Like, can I trust that in, in the same way that I was saying, I try to trust that the amount of time I have to work on an audition is the amount of time I need. I also say, okay, can I trust that everything is happening the way that it is right now because it's useful for whatever this is that I'm working on. Um, so I think having that trust that like, because it can often feel like if you get a last minute audition or if you have to like fly across the country for something, it's like, oh, why am I having to like jump through hoops? Why do I have to rearrange? But um, maybe things are happening much more in a much more integrated way and it's all, all fitting together. Yeah. The mag magic is happening in some way. Yeah. Uh, so Emily, this has been great. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me on this show. And not only that, but I, I really appreciate the, the, the work and care you put into your acting. And it was so great just getting to know you and, and hearing about your, your life and your career as an actor. I think that a lot of people who have tuned into this episode are really going to take a lot of what you said and be able to implement it into their lives, whether it's through their pursuits at, in, in the acting or entertainment industry. Not only that, but also in just their personal lives too. I think a lot of what you were just saying, what was resonating with me is that it's all about balance and, you know, being fully invested, yes, in the work that you're doing, but then also being invested in, in your family as well or, or in other hobbies and, and things like that. And so th thank you so much for, for taking the time to be on oh, the show. Thank you. It was great to talk about all this stuff. It makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Where can our listeners find out more information about you and your work? Um, I'm on Instagram. 
I'm on Twitter, but I don't use it as much. But I tend to post about projects on Instagram, and my handle is uh, Biggie Swalls. <laughs> oh, that's great. B <laughs> i g e s w a l l z. All right, uh, great. So I'm on there, and I do have a Facebook uh, fan page where I try to post things as well. But I think those tend to be. I, I try to keep up with the socials. Right. It's hard sometimes. Well, at the very least, we'll make sure to uh, link the Instagram in the show notes. So for our listeners out there, just scroll in those show notes, follow Emily Swallow. You'll be able to find all of her great work. So I have one last question for you, Emily, before we head out. How can we as a society better relate to one another? Oh, boy. Um, I think that, that curiosity that we were talking about, I do think that that helps so much. The more we can shift our skepticism and our judgment to curiosity, um, there's some, I'm sure it's like Buddhist or something else, or probably many, many, many smart systems of, of being in the world have said this, but you, know, you can either have a, a teacher mindset or a student mindset, or maybe that's not quite right. You either you can either know or you can be curious. And I think the the more we can be curious and not think that we know the only answer, it seems to to build pathways towards more community. I love that. That's yeah, really, yeah that's great. So we'll leave our listeners with that then. Uh, <laughs> Emily, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Relate. You can let me know your thoughts on this episode by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review. Or if you have the Anchor app, feel free to call in and leave a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. You can support this podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.